The following audio is from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com. What I want to talk with you about today, how do you love much when you've been hurt, when you've been wronged? Uh, when there are people who've, who maybe have said things that have wronged you, or maybe they've just outright done things that have wronged you, how do you love in that situation. And I want to start by asking you guys a question. Uh, have you ever bit your tongue? The, those of us especially who talk so much that even when we're eating, we continue talking. We know what it's like to bite our tongues, right? And it hurts. Or maybe have you ever been clipping your fingernails and you clip one too short? And for the next few days, you have this, this pain everywhere you go. Or have you ever been walking barefoot and stubbed your toe really, really hard? Uh, the other day, I was in the living room hanging out with Jack and Zoe, our, our little ones, and Mel was in, in one of the bedrooms, and all of a sudden I heard this scream. So I run back, and by the time I get back there, she's laughing, and I'm like, Babe, what, what happened? She's like, I just punched myself in the face. <laughs> and I said, how in the world did you punch yourself in the face? She said, well, I'm putting these sheets on Zoe's crib, and the sheets are like, you know, they barely fit. So she had it on the corner, and she like, pull in with all her strength, and it came undone, and she punched herself in the face. And, you know, even in a healthy body, there are times when, with our own body, we hurt our body, right? We clip our fingernails too short, we stub our toe, we, if you're Mel, punch yourself in the face, right? Well, it's the same in the body of Christ. Even in a really healthy body, as you interact with other believers, there's going to be times that you get hurt. There's going to be times that your toes get stepped on. There's going to be times when other believers offend you and bother you. And, and cause serious, real wounds in your life. Last week, we talked about God's desire for us as a body to, to be living in community, to really be sharing life together. And as I prayed for all of you this week, I felt like, oh, I better warn them. <laughs> if you're not doing that yet, as you really start to hang out with other believers and eat meals with them and have your kids play together, maybe go on trips together, live life together, you will get hurt and you will hurt others. It's just part of being in a body. Think about it this way. If you want to have a baby, you will have diapers. If you want to have a yard, you will have weeds. If you want to have a car, you'll have to deal with gasoline and oil changes. And if you really want fulfilling, rewarding community among believers, you will get hurt sometimes. It's just the way it works. Active bodies have hurts. And in our relationships, every hurt is an opportunity for one of two things. When you get a wound from another believer, it's either going to heal and you're going to grow in the process or it's going to get infected. I know a lot about hurts right now because Jack, who's three and a half, loves going barefoot in our backyard. It's his favorite thing to do. And there will be times when he has friends over. In fact, uh, at Playdate the other day, all these kids invade our house on Thursday mornings. If you're a mom with young kids and you want to go 
Ask another young mom, okay? And they'll, they'll tell you. And, and so all these kids come, and, and Jack had been playing in the back with all these kids, and I gave him a bath that night, and I looked, and there were like over a dozen like different scrapes and wounds on, you know, from his knees down to his toes, and he doesn't care at all, you know? And so I had to explain to him, you know, I got to wash these, and we got to put some Neosporin on them. We're not going to put Band-Aids on everyone because we'd run out pretty fast, right? And I had to teach him, you know, when you have a wound, um, it's either going to get infected or it's going to heal. So there's some pretty simple stuff you do. And what we're going to see in God's Word today is that it's the same with our relationships. Uh, We're going to see the enemy's plan, Satan, he wants to infect every one of your relationships. In fact, that's what he did in the beginning with Adam and Eve, right? They had perfect relationship with God, and he came in with sin, and he infected it. He divided humanity away from God. Jesus is the opposite. He comes to restore broken relationships. And, And it's that way for you and your relationship with God, but it's also that way with your spouse, with your kids, with other believers, Satan wants to divide you away. He wants to destroy. God wants to unify you and build you up. So let's look at a passage that teaches us about this in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 2 and 3. The Apostle Paul says, Be completely humble and gentle. I'm just going to pause there to say, we read this at staff meeting a couple months ago. And we we do this thing, we'll read a chapter and then we'll, we'll just talk about ways that it speaks into each of our lives. And Pastor Dan, of course, right? Pastor Dan, it was like, I really like this be completely humble and gentle thing. Because if you guys get to know Pastor Dan, he's completely humble and gentle, okay? And I had to say, you know, Dan, that's awesome. <laughs> I cannot be completely humble and gentle in my old nature. And you might be here today and maybe your, your relationships are kind of broken and you know, okay, I need God's help in my relationships. And when you see something like be completely humble and gentle, you're like, okay, great. That's a great command that I have no power to do. If you feel like that, you're in the right place because that's the whole point of Jesus coming to earth. That's the whole point of what we call the good news or the gospel is that we don't have the power to do the right thing in our own strength. And only God can give us that strength. And so when we come humbly before the Lord and we say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I need you to forgive my sins. I need you to, your resurrection power to live in me. Then he actually comes into our lives, fills us with God himself, who he calls the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit fills us with these fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, patience, kindness, gentleness, things that a lot of us do not have in our own nature. But with the Holy Spirit's help, as a follower of Christ, he can actually make you live in good ways that you could never live on your own if you'll invite him to do that. So be completely humble and gentle, obviously by God's power. Be patient, bearing with one another. Bearing with kind of means to endure each other, to put up with each other in love. Make some effort. No, make a lot of effort. No, make every effort to keep the unity. God says, do whatever it takes to keep unity among you and other believers. What kind of unity? Again, of the Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can give us that unity through the bond of peace. 
That word bond is actually an anatomy term from the ancient Near East, and it means your ligaments. You know, your ligaments are what hold your bones together. So if you didn't have any ligaments in your body, you'd kind of flop over. And your, your lower half of your leg would not really stick to your upper half of your leg. Ligaments hold things together. And God says, the ligament that's going to hold you all together is this bond of peace, which again is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. For there's one body and one spirit. Why did the Apostle Paul write this to the Ephesians? Why does Paul, who planted churches all over the ancient Near East, why does he say essentially the same thing to every church? I mean, Paul had been in all kinds of churches. Paul had big churches and little churches. He had rich churches and poor churches. He had churches that were really spiritually healthy and churches that were really spiritually terrible. And to pretty much every letter to every church, Paul says this same kind of thing. Why does he say that? Well, because he knows bodies get wounds, hurts are inevitable, and every hurt, listen to this, every hurt reveals, am I healthy and mature, in which case I heal, or am I unhealthy and immature, in which case the hurt turns into infection? Let me tell you guys a little bit about infections. Uh, most of you know that we live in a pretty rare time in human history, right? Uh, if you lived even 50 years ago, if you got an infection, you couldn't drive to CVS or to Walgreens and get an antibiotic. Did you know, as I was researching this, I found out that infection is the leading cause of death in human history. You know, years ago, people didn't die as often from cancer or from heart attacks, they, they died often from infection. In fact, just 100 years ago, when President William McKinley in 1901, he got shot. Did you guys, I didn't realize that three presidents almost in a row got shot. After Abraham Lincoln, there was James Garfield and William McKinley. I totally missed that in history class. And all three of them passed away. Uh, Abraham Lincoln from the actual wound, but James Garfield and McKinley... Not from the wound. They got the bullet out. They were fine. But then they got an infection. Infections are lethal. Infections kill. And it's the same in your relationships. You get an infection in your marriage and you, and you let it keep festering. It can kill your marriage. You let an infection come between you and a friend and it doesn't get resolved. It can kill the friendship. And infections even have destroyed church congregations, church bodies, where infection comes in, the relationships are unhealthy, and the body eventually perishes. I'll give you guys one last nerdy factoid. I was reading about all this, and um, in the Civil War, a lot of you guys have probably heard in the Civil War, more American soldiers died than in World War I, II, all the other wars combined. Uh, 620,000 Americans died. More than half of them died, not from battle wounds on the battlefield, but from infections. So infections is a serious thing, and it's the same in our relationships. Well, how do we make sure when we are hurt, if that's inevitable, that it doesn't become infected? I want to give you guys the spiritual landscape here, and here it is. In the body of Christ, Satan wants to do three things. Discourage, destroy, and divide. 
These are the same three things he's been up to for thousands of years. It's what he did between us and God. And then even once we put our faith in Christ and our relationship with God is restored, Satan still wants to discourage, divide, and destroy in our marriages, in our homes, in our community groups, in any church. And the Holy Spirit of God wants to do the exact opposite. Acts 9.31, the Holy Spirit encourages and strengthens the church. The Holy Spirit wants to build us up. The Holy Spirit wants to unify us as believers. So I'm going to play devil's advocate for a little bit with you guys. And uh, I'm not going to pretend to be Satan, but I'll tell you what Satan wants you to do in your relationships, okay? And this first one might kind of catch you by surprise. Satan wants you to ignore obvious sin in other believers so that they get caught in his traps. Now we're going to see when we look at the Holy Spirit that there's a gentle way to confront sin in other believers. And we're supposed to confront it gently. But Satan wants you, when you see a, a brother or sister caught in pornography or in greed, Satan wants you to just not say anything. Why? Because 1 Peter 5, 8 says he's a roaring uh, lion. He prowls about. He's seeking whom he may destroy. Satan sets traps for believers. He wants to see you enslaved in a sin. And God gives you the body so that you have brothers and sisters who say, hey, you know that path you're going down, man, you know, I'm not any better than you. I've got my own issues, but I got to tell you in love, um, it's not a good path that you're going down. Satan does not want you to do that. Because if we don't do that, you know, if we all just show up on Sunday, I call it Sunday best church, you know, we all put on our best clothes and we all smile at each other. And then we all get in our cars and talk about how terrible each other are. And then we leave and we just go live our own disconnected lives for the next six days. And then we show up again and we all smile at each other. Satan just loves that. Because he can have all these believers caught up in sin the majority of their lives. And they just get together and play church. That doesn't bother him at all. What bothers him is, is when you see you know, you're a guy and there's a guy from church and you see him at lunch with an attractive woman and it's not his wife and he, they're really like chatting it up and having a great time. Satan does not want you to go to him and say, hey, brother, I, I love you, man, but I got to warn you, that looks like a pretty dangerous thing you're doing there. Satan doesn't want you to do that because Satan wants to destroy that man and destroy his marriage. And God put us together as a body to help each other. So first thing Satan wants you to do, don't ever confront obvious sin in other believers. Second thing he wants you to do, he wants you to open a foothold for him by refusing to forgive. This is true in your marriage just as much as it is true in the church. Incredible verse, if, if you were in Ephesians 4, if you look down at verses 26 and 27, you'll see the Apostle Paul essentially says, when there's conflict You've got to forgive and resolve it. Don't give the devil a foothold, is the words that he uses. Now, you know, for those of you who climb, for these crazy young kids who climb the dells and everything around here, I don't do that stuff anymore. I'm too old. At age 30, I take no more risks. And so unless you had me in like full body armor and a, a good helmet, I'm not climbing any rock faces, okay? But when you do... You need, uh, I think climbers call it a toehold. 
You know, if you, it's like if you can get your toe in that, you can climb up. You can scale the thing. And God says, when we don't forgive each other, it gives the enemy a foothold. It gives him a grip to get into our lives. Some of you guys have seen the Lord of the Rings movies or read the Lord of the Rings books. There's this incredible battle scene at Helm's Deep. Helm's Deep is this impenetrable fortress. And all the good guys are inside of Helm's Deep. And all the bad guys are outside. But Helm's Deep has never been breached. No one has ever gotten in. And then one of the bad guys realizes that there's this little drain where the water comes out. And they realized if they could just get one person into that drain, then they could open up the doors and, and defeat the whole fortress. And Satan, who's a schemer, he's always looking in your marriage, in your relationship with other people, where can I get in so I can do my work of dividing, destroying, discouraging. The Apostle Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11. He's told the Corinthians first, there was a brother in sin and he says, confront them. And then he says, you know, but don't be too harsh about it. You don't want to totally discourage him so that he, he, he quits church and gives up on his faith. And then he says this, in order that Satan might not outwit us, we're in a battle with a real opponent, for we are not unaware of his schemes. And what I'm telling you today is in your relationships with other believers, it is not about your feelings. It's a spiritual warfare and it's bigger than you. And to say, well, if you understood how deeply I feel, how deeply I'm hurt, you wouldn't tell me to forgive. When you say that, you're putting yourself above the whole body of Christ. You're saying my feelings matter more than protecting the unity that God calls us to protect. I'm just going to let the enemy in here. I'm going to give him a foothold by being bitter, by being unforgiving. Third thing Satan loves for us to do, slander other believers. It's kind of an old-fashioned word. It's a legal term now. Slander. What does it mean? It means to say negative stuff about someone, usually when they're not around. Did you know that Satan actually has a name? You see it here in the book of Revelation, the accuser of the brethren, the accuser of God's people. That's what Satan does. And Revelation says, day and night for all of human history, Satan is going to God and accusing God's people. Now, for those of you who put your faith in Christ, Hebrews 7, 24 and 25 says, Jesus is standing there at the Father's right hand. And every time an accusation comes, Jesus said, paid for it, paid for it, it's forgiven. But Revelation tells us Satan's the accuser of the brethren. Job chapter 1, if you want to do more study on it, gives a, a really neat picture. It, it shows, it kind of depicts Satan walks up to God and says, hey, uh, you know, look at Job. And he accuses him. He says, God, the only reason Job loves you is because you're so good to him. Do you ever say things like that? Well, the only reason she does that is because her parents had so much money. The only reason he does that is this or that. Very often in our old nature, we do Satan's work for him, don't we? We accuse other believers. In really unhealthy churches, 
Satan can kind of just put it on cruise control and walk away because he gets them all biting and devouring and slandering each other. They all do his work for him. This started to happen in the church of Galatia. If you want to write it down on your outline, Galatians 5, verses 15 and 16. Paul says this to the church there. He says, if you continue biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will destroy each other. In other words, a healthy body might accidentally hurt itself. An unhealthy body is intentionally hurting itself, right? And Paul says, if you're just going to keep on biting and devouring other believers, you're going to be destroyed. So what's the solution? He says, verse 16, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. They are in conflict with each other. Do you realize your relationships are not about your feelings. I mean, that's part of it. But your relationships are the battleground between the Spirit of God and your old flesh, which Satan wants to use to accomplish his purposes. It's a harsh thing to say, but had had you ever realized that when you talk negatively about other believers, you are on Satan's side and you're doing Satan's work? Fourth thing Satan wants you to do, he loves it when you go to other people to discuss how someone has wronged you. Oh, he loves it when you, when you do get in the car and say, oh man, that, that greeter did not smile at me. Or whatever it is, okay? It's probably something more significant than that. But he loves it when you go to not the person who wronged you, because then you would actually resolve the thing and you both would grow, right? He doesn't want that. He wants you to go tell a bunch of other people. So then in addition to that wound getting infected, you're creating more wounds and more trouble. And we all do this. At least I'm guilty of it in my old nature. That's why I've got to do messages like this to remind myself, right? It's easy. We're going to get hurt. We're going to get frustrated with each other. What Satan wants you to do is go tell anyone except the person who actually wronged you. Finally, Satan, he wants you to be easily offended and to assume the worst. When we look at what the Holy Spirit has for us in our relationships, we're going to see in 1 Corinthians 13 that love is not easily offended. And love always hopes. In other words, love assumes the best. But how does the enemy want you to live? He wants you to be so easily offended. And, And when people wrong you or hurt you, he wants you to assume the worst. When, when your, your spouse is late getting home from work, he wants you to assume the worst. Oh, they're so selfish. They're this, they're that. That's what he wants. Love assumes the best. All right, I want to take a moment to encourage you guys. And then we're going to get into what the Spirit empowers us to do. And here's my encouragement for you, okay? There are churches that are known for being biting and devouring and negative And I want to encourage you guys that Cornerstone is not one of them. Cornerstone has a reputation in this area for being a place of love and of grace. This last week, about uh, 40 folks from the Cornerstone family went into the Rosser campus to film testimonies for a video that you guys are all going to see in September. And the idea of the video is, is to say to the body, because of your faithfulness, God is changing lives. 
And what was cool is that it wasn't in, in any kind of script or anything. And I wasn't there for all the, the interviews. But the, the video guy, who's a believer, came up to me after a couple of days and he said, do you realize there's like this huge theme among your people? They all talk about grace, that they'd never experienced grace before or understood it. They all talk about being loved. They all talk about being part of a family. And I thought, oh, thank you, Lord. Because he knows we're not perfect. You guys know we're not perfect. But thank you that that's what people are experiencing because that's the body of Christ at work. If he's the head of our body, that's what our body should be like. And I want to encourage you guys that Cornerstone is that kind of church. Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians 5.11. He says, encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Paul has all these churches, and when he gets to the Thessalonica church, he says, you know what? You guys really are doing this. You are building each other up. You are encouraging each other. Keep at it. And that's how I feel today for you, Cornerstone, is to say so many of you are building up and encouraging. Keep it up. And for those of you like me who need a little reminder, here's the reminder. This is a spiritual issue, our relationship. So let me go over God's plan to heal and build your relationships. First of all, the Holy Spirit empowers you to gently confront sin in other believers. Now, we're not talking about confronting a difference of opinion, you know? Like, oh man, that guy watched a PG-13 movie and I think PG-13 movies are wrong. You know, that's, we're talking about a, a black and white sin, you know? He's, he's bragging about cheating on his taxes, or, or, or he's on a path towards a sin. But you go to him gently. You go to them in love. And, and again, don't we need the Holy Spirit? One, for the boldness to go, and then two, to go gently. We need the Holy Spirit for that. Galatians 6.1, brothers and sisters, if you see someone caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, unless you also are tempted. In other words, watch yourself, that you don't go in pride thinking you're all better because we're all sinners saved by grace. Watch yourself that you don't not go. Watch yourself that you don't go for the wrong motive. But do warn each other. I wonder, is there someone in your life that even right now the Holy Spirit's saying, yeah, person says they're a believer, says they love the Lord, but there's this ongoing open sin in their life. And if I'm going to do relationships God's way, I really need to go to that person and in love, gently expose it and say, hey, you know, what's the deal? Are you following Jesus or not? Secondly, doesn't this give you a confidence? And this gives me a confidence. Whenever I have a, a discipleship group or I'm in a community group, I, I like to go to the guys, and, and I do this with the staff guys too and the elders, and I say, if you ever see any pride in me, if you ever see any lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, you see any hint of any sin in me, I'm telling you, I'm counting on you to come to me and call me out on that. I, I need you for that. And when you have a body like that around you, I mean, what a comfort to know, okay, I'm doing my best to follow Christ every day, but if I really start to get off the rails, I've got guys who love me enough to come to me and tell me. I mean, do you have that? And God wants us to have that. And what a safety, what a comfort when we do have that. Next, the Holy Spirit empowers me to protect unity and forgive. Forgive is the emphasis here. But when we do forgive, we're protecting unity. 
I know some of you have been hurt in really serious ways by other believers and I don't know what you feel, but God does and God will give you the strength to forgive if you'll ask him. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving just as Christ and God forgave you. If God forgave everything I've done wrong against him, he can give me the strength to forgive my spouse. He can give me the strength to forgive that person who did that or said that. Remember, Satan's looking for that foothold. He's looking for that little way in. And this is where he usually gets it, is in our unforgiveness, our bitterness, our resentment. Is there a conflict in your life right now where Satan does have a foothold in your heart or between you and other believers? And today you just need to decide in your heart, God, I don't have the strength to do it, but I want to forgive. I do not want the enemy to have a foothold there. Third, the Spirit empowers me. Notice these don't say, you need to do this in your own strength. No, if you will ask God to empower you by the Holy Spirit, he will help you do these things to speak highly of your brothers and sisters. The opposite of slander, speak highly of them. I want to give you guys, you men especially, uh, an experiment that you will be rewarded for. Next time you're out to dinner uh, or in some social group and your wife is there, speak highly of her in front of all the other people. And you're going to find that when you do that, something happens inside of her that, that just can't be duplicated other than speaking highly of her in front of other people. We all love to be praised in front of other people. It's, it, it's I don't know, I guess it's it, the way we're wired. And, and here's what God says to us in Ephesians 4, 29 and 30. He says, first of all, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. That's the slander and stuff. But only what is helpful for building others up According to what? According to their needs. Now, let me pause there and just say this. If you're in a conversation and you're only thinking about me and how I feel and what my needs are and all the things I want to say, then you don't even know the other person's needs. So you're not going to be able to say what builds them up. But if you're in the conversation and because you're in touch with the Holy Spirit, you're thinking, okay, God, what are you doing in this person's life? And you're as well, they're a little insecure. I can build them up and let them know about their security in Christ. Oh, they, they realize God's calling them to do something, but they're scared to do it. I can encourage them, hey, if you step out and follow God, he's not going to let you down. And you can build each other up. I mean, could you imagine being part of, of just a family where everyone builds each other up with their words and encourages each other? When we do the opposite of that, verse 30 tells us, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving just as in Christ God forgave you. Fourth thing the Spirit empowers you to do, to go directly to the people who've offended you when you're wronged. Remember we talked about that, Satan? He wants you to go tell everybody else the Holy Spirit will give you the power to go to that person. As intimidating as that seems. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 18. He says this, If your brother or sister sins against you, go and show him his fault. Just between the two of you. 
Now here's what I've discovered. 90% of the time, 9 times out of 10, when you do that, it totally resolves the thing. Right? There's this wound, this person said something, did something, didn't do something, it hurt you. Satan wants you to go tell a bunch of other people and create more wounds, right? But you, you actually go to the person. And your delivery is probably not going to be perfect. That's okay. You just go in confidence. This person's also a believer. They love the Lord. And you tell them, hey, I, you know, I don't know how to put this. I'm sorry if it comes across the wrong way. But when you did this or that or didn't do this or that, it, it, it really hurt me. And you know what happens nine times out of ten? The other person says, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah, that was not my motive at all. I was not trying to, to hurt you. I was busy or whatever else. And nine times out of 10, there's healing. And then the relationship is stronger. And God has knit you closer together. And so the enemy, he, he does not want you to do that. And then Matthew 18 says, you know, if, if it's a legitimate sin, it's not just that the person hurt your feelings, right? But there's an outright sin. And you do go to them and they say, nope. Yeah, I agree. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be sleeping with that person or whatever, but that's what I'm going to keep doing. Well, that's the only time that you tell someone else. And then you get two or three other spiritual people to go with you. And together as a community, you say, hey, as a community in love, we're telling you, you're in a sin. God has a better plan for you. We want to help you get out of it. What do you want to do? Matthew 18. Don't, don't forget it. It's so easy to forget Matthew 18. You know, because we just get in real life, we step on each other's toes, and then we just start talking to other people about it. I want to challenge you today. Will you invite your close friends, your spouse, to call you out when you don't do Matthew 18? Will you go to the people who you normally go to to talk to someone else and say, hey, if I come to you and talk to someone else, will you ask me if I've gone to them first? Gives them an opportunity to practice our first thing, right? To warn you, hey, you're going down a path of sin. Gives you an opportunity to be held accountable. And as a result, everyone grows and the body is healthy and unified. Fifth thing the Spirit empowers us to do, to not be easily offended and to assume the best about our brothers and sisters. 1 Corinthians 13 is talking about love when it says in verses 5 through 7, love is not easily angered. In other words, it's not easily wronged. It's not easily offended. I've been praying about how to present this one because I think many people who are easily offended don't think that they're easily offended. So I, you know, I don't know how to tell those of you who struggle with this that you struggle with this. And this is probably a flawed way, but you know, the best thing I can think of is think of the list of people who've offended you lately. And if it's more than about two people, I just offended you and you're probably easily offended. Okay. And I'm sorry, you know, we all have different struggles and that's, that's going to be some of your struggle and that's okay. The Holy Spirit will give you the power to live a life of love that is not easily offended. And when your old nature would have said, ah, can't believe they'd treat me that way. Your new nature says, oh man, they must really be dealing with something. wonder what's going on in their lives. I mean, that sounds too good to be true, right? The Holy Spirit can do that in you if you'll ask him to.
Love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Oh, they did it again. It always hopes. That means it assumes the best. I don't know why so-and-so was late to staff meeting. Am I going to assume that it's because they slept in? Or am I going to assume it's there, they're at the hospital doing a hospital visit and the person's about to pass away and they're giving them the gospel? I mean, I can assume the best or I can assume the worst. And when I assume the worst about the people around me, it divides, it discourages, it destroys. And when I assume the best, I mean, it's like that video we watched. Have you been in a relationship like that where someone assumes the best about you? Oh, it's such a safe place to be. And it's the kind of safety, it's the kind of comfort God wants us to have as a body of believers. So let me give you this just kind of summary of a lot. And I know this is a lot of content today, okay? Satan ultimately wants us to work against each other. He wants to divide us. Why? I mean, of all the things Satan could be doing, you know, manipulating world powers, getting Russia to set off a nuke somewhere, of all the things Satan could be doing, why is he so busy trying to divide God's people against each other? Because he knows that when we're unified, when we're in healthy relationship, we grow and together we change the world. He does not want you growing. He does not want you changing the world. You know, as you go from here today, my, my prayer for you is that the content we've covered is not for you just a big legalistic to-do list, that you walk out of here all shamed and guilted and, oh man, I'm like Satan. Great. You know, I, I, I don't want you walking out of here discouraged, okay? If you've been doing some of those things Satan wants us to do, well, join the club. You know, I, I struggle with those too, Okay. We're a people who are covered by grace. And the reason God calls us to these things is not so he can beat us with a stick that we're not doing them. He calls us to these things because he loves us. And he wants us to have thriving marriages, thriving families, to be a thriving community of believers where people are built up and where the world is changed. So let's pray together for that. And then uh, during our closing song, if God has put it on your heart to give to the community initiative, you'll see that come by. Uh, either way, just worship. We're going to celebrate God's love for us. Let's pray that. Father, Lord, we thank you that in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. Jesus, when we really look at our hearts, we see that uh, we are broken and we need you. And so we thank you for the cross. We thank you for your love. Thank you that your mercy is new every morning. That there's grace every day for every one of our failings. And Lord, we praise you for that. And we just kind of bask in the glow of your love and your warmth and your goodness to us. Father, thank you that when Satan destroyed and divided us away from you, that you came to the cross, that you took the penalty for everything that we've done wrong, and you restored the relationship. And you unified us with you. And every day you wait to build us up and encourage us. To make us the best version of us. The version that only you could make by your spirit. And Lord, as your people called by your name today, we surrender ourselves to you. 
And Lord, we come to you humbly to say that in our relationships, Lord, we are so wired to do the things the enemy wants us to do. But God, we are committing right now in our hearts, we're committing that in our marriages, we want to do our relationships your way. With other believers in in this church and even believers in other churches, we want to live relationships your way. Lord, would you help us to be completely gentle and humble, to forgive one another? When we're wronged, would you help us to go directly to the person that wronged us? And when people come to us and tell us that we wronged them, would you help us to be humble and to listen? Lord, when we see sin or paths towards sin in our brothers and sisters' lives, would you help us to gently go to them in love? Jesus, you're the head of our body. Shape us to be what you want us to be. Holy Spirit, as we go from here, embed into each of our hearts what what you want us to take from here. I'm not going to slander anymore. I'm going to go directly to people. I'm going to gently call out that person that says they're a believer and they're living in sin. I'm going to do it gently, but I'm going to do it. Holy Spirit, embed just that, that takeaway for each one of us that we might be your people. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.